Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, October 28th, 2022. And let me tell you, if you're a Democrat or a disgruntled Trump hater that votes for John Fetterman for Senate in Pennsylvania on November 8th, you have no self-respect. They think so little of you that the Democratic Party thinks they can throw at anybody out there and they'll win. And quite frankly, their arrogance is, um, was fortified by Joe Biden. We have a mentally incapacitated president that spent the entire campaign in his basement, and through cheating, he won. So I think they think they can do it again in Pennsylvania. Now, I don't think they're going to do it. I think there's going to be enough uh, votes to come out for Dr. Oz to overcome any cheating. And I think the cheating will be mitigated by a couple of things, and I'll get into that later. But any Democrats that are listening... Anyone that is on the fence with Dr. Oz, this is what you're going to put in office if you do not vote for Dr. Oz. And the reason this Fetterman is there is because the Democrats don't care about you. You are nothing more than a tool to them because they believe you'll vote for anyone as long as there's a Democrat moniker on his lapel or her lapel. Is that what you want? Is that democracy? You see these polls out there, they said, oh, the the Republicans are a threat to democracy, according to the Democrats. Well, let me tell you something. If you vote for Dr. Oz, you're a threat to democracy. Because you are putting someone in office that is incapable of doing the job. And you're going to vote for this guy just because he's a Democrat? So I just want to go to two clips that were just astounding. I mean, I've seen plenty of debates on TV, live, and quite frankly, this is the most embarrassing debate for any party that I can think of. So with that said, I just want to go to the first clip. It's a short clip, and then I'm going to go to a second clip, just to point out the mental capacity of Fetterman. And this is something you can't overlook. So let's go to the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Let's get started, Mr. Fetterman. We're going to begin with you. What qualifies you to be a U.S. Senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. That's what you say at the end of the debate. And you would think that was the low point of the debate for Fetterman, but it went downhill from there. I would have loved to have been in the room with all of his handlers when the first words out of his mouth are, Hi. Good night, everybody. If it wasn't so sad and it wasn't so dangerous to put up a guy like Fetterman, I would laugh. So let's go to a second clip. And this has to do with fracking. Now, Fetterman has always come out saying he's against fracking. He's against fracking. He's on record to say he's against fracking in Pennsylvania. Well, suddenly he just, uh, no, he's for fracking. And he has the inability to put a thought together. And it's really sad. So let's play this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. And I've always believed that, and I do support fracking. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking. And... I don't, I don't, I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. 
And here's the interesting thing I take away from that last clip is even an incapacitated Democrat Party candidate still has the ability to lie. But think about that. The guy can't put a coherent sentence together, a coherent thought together. But boy, can they lie. Same thing with Biden. Boy, can he lie. Now, they're in a state of panic in Pennsylvania and in Washington, too, the DNC over this. And the reason they're in a state of panic, because they they came out, I think, later that evening or the very next day and said that Fetterman raised $2 million within hours of that debate. And here's why they said that. They wanted to give the appearance that Fetterman did well. And what they did, actually, is they twisted the arms of donors. They got the donors on the phone and said, oh, my God, he was so bad. We need your money just to show that he still has support. And that's what they did at the DNC. They just twisted the arms of their donors saying, hey, we got to show that Fetterman still has report. Give me money. Now, the funny thing is I'm not even sure that the $2 million is accurate. They may say that, oh, they got $2 million in commitments. But when push comes to shove, maybe it's 100000 But dollars to donuts, it's not going to be the amount that they set. So that's the first thing. And then the other thing, too, is that even Chuck Todd has come out and said that this was not good for Fetterman. So with that said, let me just go to a quick clip by our friend Chuck Todd. And then we'll come back and discuss. For what it's worth, Fetterman did not have to agree to this debate. And after seeing his performance, there are a lot of Democrats wondering why his campaign decided to put him in this position. Okay, so the first poll came out since that debate, and it has Dr. Oz up three. Now, remember, these are polls, and I still believe these are polls that are skewed to help the Democrat. And uh, it's good to see that Oz is up three. Now, they're going to cheat. The Democrats are going to cheat. They're going to cheat in Philadelphia. They're going to cheat wherever they can. But here's why I think the vote for Oz will uh, beat out the cheating that goes on in Philly and the other urban areas in uh, Pennsylvania. And the first thing I just wanted to point out is that Kathy Barnett has come out and endorsed uh, Oz, I think, a week or two ago. And that's really helpful. Barnett really was the MAGA candidate in the primaries. And I think a lot of uh, uh, MAGA candidates were looking for her endorsement of Oz. And I think Kathy Barnett realizes that, look, we can't have a guy like Fetterman in Washington. We can't let the Democrat Party control the Senate with the mentality they have today. That party overrides anything. It doesn't matter that the guy had a stroke. It doesn't matter that the guy is incapacitated. As long as he's a Democrat, it's okay. Party over country. That's the Democrat motto. Power over country. That's their motto. But Oz is going to overcome this. And he's going to overcome this because of Kathy Barnett. And the other thing I just wanted to point out is that we're in a little different scenario today than we were in 2020. We're all focused on the elections. We're all focused on the cheating. And the Democrats know that there are a set of eyes on them at every turn. And I just wanted to point out is that apparently there was a report out of, I think, Breitbart or Gateway Pundit that they had found several drop boxes in Pennsylvania that were already preloaded with mail-in ballots. How did that happen? 
And then there was another report that the state, which is run by the Democrats, sent out 250,000 mail-in ballots to individuals where their social security number or their driver's license number were not verified. So they sent out 250,000 mail-in ballots to individuals who lack any form of identification. Now, this really surprises me. I don't know how they worked this out because these people had to be registered to vote before they could receive a ballot, you would think, in a real world. But who knows what they're doing in Pennsylvania right now, the Democrats. So you get registered to vote, and then the officials verify your Social Security number or your driver's license number to make sure you're a bona fide individual. So how can they send out all these mail-in mail ballots to these people without that. And I don't look at that as being uh, something to be discouraged about. I look at that as something to be positive about. And the reason we should be positive about that is that we probably wouldn't have caught this in 2020, but we're catching those things now. And the Democrats know that. Now, also, the Supreme Court came out and said, hey, look, these mail-in ballots have to be filled out correctly. And there was a case in, in Pennsylvania where they were accepting ballots that were undated. And the Supreme Court said, hey, no, hey, Pennsylvania, you've got these mail-in ballots. They've got to be completely filled out. And not having a, a date on the ballot, it's a fatal flaw. So again, it, it goes to my point that the Democrats know that people are watching. And the other thing I just wanted to point out is that, you know, these urban areas, I'm not sure that they're fully on board with Fetterman. And in order to cheat, you need motivated minions. And if your minions are not motivated to cheat through ballot harvesting, through forging mail-in ballots, they're not going to take that extra step for a candidate that they're not on board with. Even if you throw money, $10, uh, $10 per ballot, you know, don't forget also somebody, you know, you need somebody on the other end to be part of giving you their ballot to be forged or manipulated. So, you know, I don't sense that there's a whole bunch of enthusiasm in the, the urban areas in Pennsylvania. So, look, they're going to cheat. There's going to be some fraudulent votes. There's going to be some arm twisting. As I mentioned before, it's, you know, the cheat takes place before the election. You know, you've got these minions going into these affordable housing units in these urban areas, twisting the arms of the residents, saying, hey, look, you don't vote for my guy, you're gone. And these poor residents in these uh, affordable housing units, they know no better. So they're going to do whatever these people that are threatening them want them to do. That's just an example. You got other people that stand on street corners and pay people. They call it walking around money in New Jersey. But it's nothing more than just to go into uh, certain areas, particularly urban areas, where you pay people to vote. Now, this is going on right now because the mail-in ballots went out in Pennsylvania. So the Democratic Party minions are going out with their wads of cash saying, OK, here's $50. What's your price? Let me fill out your ballot. But you know, if you don't have that enthusiasm, which I don't think that they have right now in Philadelphia and the other urban areas, you know, it makes cheating less. They're going to cheat, but I don't think the number the numbers are going to come out that are going to he help Fetterman. 
So we shall see. But remember, you have to come out and vote. It's likely going to be a close race. And every vote is going to count. So we have Oz up in by three points, but you have to come out and vote. Vote like Oz is down by three points. Vote like you know that they're cheating in Philadelphia and your vote is going to counteract that cheat. And while I'm on Pennsylvania, I, I just, you know, Carl Rove is a despicable person. He's a rat. He hates Trump. He hates anything that has to do with Trump. And he's come out with this ad. He put together his organization, put out this ad that was a backhanded slap at Mastriano, who's running for governor there. And Mastriano is pure MAGA. You know, Oz is right on the border. He needs MAGA support to get him over the finish line. But Mastriano is pure MAGA. And I was talking to my mother about Mastriano's campaign. He he mimics uh, Trump's campaign, where Trump, you know, flew his big old jet and flew into these airports and then had these rallies nearby or in a hangar. Well, Mastriano's doing this. He's going to these rural areas in Pennsylvania with his little Cessna. I think it's a little Cessna. It's like a little two-seater. He flies in. And I'm like joking. Like, look at the comparison. When Trump ran, he had this big 747. Mastriano comes in. He's got a little two-seater Cessna. But the results are going to be the same. So anyway, Karl Rove hates Trump. Karl Rove hates anybody that's associated with Trump. Remember that. He hates you. Karl Rove dislikes you. And Karl Rove is the uh, rhino. He's part of the Uniparty. And he's still trying to hold on. And I, I don't understand why Fox is still hires this guy. And if I'm Mastriano... And I become governor. I make that an issue with Fox. Oh, you want an interview with me? Get rid of Carl Rove. Because if Carl Rove is going to pay hardball like that, he's got to expect hardball back when the other side wins. So let me just play this this ad put together by Rove, and then we'll come back and discuss. John Fetterman's record on crime is crazy. He's not like most Democrats. Dozens of times he was the only vote to pardon criminals. 225 times, Josh Shapiro voted against the criminals. But Fetterman voted to release them. That's nuts. Fetterman's way more radical than Shapiro. What's wrong with this guy? American Crossroads is responsible for the content of this advertising. Did you catch that? Fetterman's way more radical than Shapiro. And Shapiro is running against Mastriano. Think about Rove. Think about Rove is the type of person, Rove is part of these people that have been controlling Washington for a number of years at the expense of the American people. As bad as the Democrats are is about party over country, this is all, all about Rove. My ego over country. Rhinos over country. That's what they're all about. And remember that. And remember that next time you hear Carl Rove say something about anything. This is where he's coming from. It's about protecting the uniparty. It's about his own ego. And let's take a look at the polls for Mastriano versus Shapiro. And I think there was a poll that was finished up on uh, October 23rd. It had Shapiro up by 22 points. And the most recent poll that came out had Shapiro up plus eight. So Shapiro went from 22 points to eight points in less than two weeks. And again, you got to realize these are polls that favor the Democrat. And I don't know who it was. It was either the a representative from Real Clear Politics or 
someone from the Trafalgar group says that, look, MAGA people are not getting picked up in these polls, even when they're trying. No, I think it was Rasmussen. I think it was a Rasmussen representative said, look, you know, we're not, you know, MAGA is not being picked up in a lot of these polls, whether they're trying or not. And that's going to be helpful to Mastriano. And remember, you got to come out, vote. I just want to spend a moment on the Georgia Senate race. And, you know, Herschel Walker had a really good debate. And he did. He came across as genuine. His opponent, Warnock, came across as a little too slick. People relate more today to being genuine than to being slick. So (laughs) Herschel uh, had a really good debate. And what do the Democrats do? They trot out another woman that said that Herschel pressured her to have an abortion. And it had Gloria Allred. Remember her? Gloria Allred. She trots out this woman. Oh, yes. And what really gets me is that she comes out with documents from, I think it was a Holiday Inn where she said she stayed with him one day. And it was from 1993. Who, who holds on to receipts from a Holiday Inn from 1993? It's like 30 years ago. I just find that odd. But I, but I like Herschel Walker. And I, I think he's handling this whole thing with class and with intelligence. And he's actually a pretty funny guy, too. So what I want to do is I just want to play Herschel Walker's response to this second woman. So let's go to the clip, and then we'll just come back and discuss. I'm done with this foolishness. I've already told people this is a lie, and I'm not going to entertain because continue to carry a lie alone. And I also want to let you know I didn't kill JFK either. So a poll came out on Thursday, October 27th, and it had Walker up by five points. So we should expect a third woman to come forward, or maybe even a fourth, because the Democrats, they're, they're not creative. They've got this abortion theme, and they're just going to pound on it and pound on it, and they're going to create lies, because that's all they can do at this point. All the polls are swinging toward the Republicans, all the polls you see. If you get a chance, go to real clear politics polls. It's all red now. You know, look, you have to expect things against Dr. Oz, against Mastriano, against Masters out in Arizona, against Carrie Lake. The latest thing they're trying to pin on Carrie Lake is uh, Baby Watergate. Apparently, Katie Hobbs's headquarters was broken into, and they're trying to apply that Carrie Lake's campaign had something to do with it. Which, again, this is just bizarre. It's just clearly bizarre. All of these people that have been running these campaigns over the years, all these people at the networks, they're just not bright people. They're not creative people. And I like the fact that they are being exposed. Carrie Lake is doing it. Dr. Oz. Herschel Walker. So we shall see. So Elon Musk closed on a Twitter deal. He now owns it. And what does he do? He fires all the top executives. He's in the process right now of firing all the top engineers, which from a business stance is a very smart move. And what surprised me is the salaries that these executives were bringing in, massive amounts, millions and millions of dollars a year. And quite frankly, they did not produce a really good product in the sense that Twitter's has had negative earnings. So how can you justify making, you know, 15, 20 million dollars a year and your company does not earn anything or has no earnings? And from that sense, I it's a good move by 
must to buy this company. Now, he probably overpaid for it, but guy's a billionaire, so what? But I guess my point is, is it wasn't about the earnings. It was about collecting massive salaries by these executives and pushing a political agenda. And that's what's dangerous, because when you merge politics with business and finance and capitalism, it no longer becomes about earnings and production. It becomes moving a ideology. And that's what's dangerous with a lot of business today. It's not about earnings. It's not about business. It's about pursuing an ideology. And again, that's, that's dangerous. That's not what capitalism is all about. And I'm glad Musk came in. Again, I'm not a big fan of Musk. He's into transhumanism and some other things. But, you know, for this, he knock yourself out. Good luck with it, Elon. And the other thing I wanted to point out with Twitter is that these people are not exceptional people. There's nothing that these people that manage these, this company really stood out. And this has been my biggest problem about corporations today. They're not managed by extremely talented people. And they're not managed by people that warrant such high salaries. And I think Twitter is a perfect example. And if Twitter was managed better, maybe Musk wouldn't have purchased them. But now Musk owns an extremely influential company. Hopefully he can turn it around and make some money on it. And he gets rid of all the ideologues in that company. And a lot of CEOs, a lot of uh, boards, take a look at what Musk is doing. Because if you pursue an ideology... Instead of pursuing the bottom line, you're doomed. It's no longer capitalism. So it looks like Musk is bringing a little capitalism to Twitter, and he should be commended for that. So we shall see. And speaking about people who are kind of merging politics, ideology with uh, capitalism, is Jim Cramer, the so-called expert at CNBC. He's got his own show, and he, he pushes certain stocks, and everybody goes to him for advice. And he was the guy that, I guess, maybe six six months ago, made a proclamation that said, this is the best economy I can remember, something along those lines. And it's right after the White House had sent a message out to its minions saying, hey, look, you got to pump up the economy. Things aren't looking that good for us. And so Kramer was leading the charge saying, oh, this is such a great economy. This is a great market, cheerleading for political purposes. Look at the stock market today. Now, I want to play two clips First clip is from several months ago where Jim Cramer was pushing Meta, which is Facebook. Facebook changed its name to Meta. And Cramer is out there pushing, you got to buy Meta stock. It's a buy. And then the second clip is him apologizing. Oh, well, I was wrong. After Meta lost 25% of its value. So let me play the first clip and then we'll come back and discuss and then we'll play the second clip. I have so many people should be buying the stock. So this many. is so for real. Okay, now, what are they spending over the next five not, years? Not nearly as much as we thought. It's not going to be the tens of billions. It They'll, isn't? No, because they're so far ahead of everybody. I mean, they already spent but 10 last year, right, with no return. I am telling more. you, this thing is radical. Okay, again, that clip was several months ago when Kramer's pushing, our expert Kramer's pushing Meta. And he was talking about the metaverse, which is an alternate universe. People put some kind of headset on top, and then they can go into this alternate universe with all these avatars. But that's not the point. The point is, is that we've got our political slash business slash financial expert always with an agenda. 
Now let's go several months later. Meta slash Facebook just lost 25% of its value and our expert is exposed. So what does he do? He apologizes and it has a mini meltdown. He starts tearing up and he asks for a hug from one of the co-hosts. And quite frankly, I, I really, I think it's kind of comical, but this is really the mindset of the people that we're dealing with right now. Oh, they're all experts. I know everything. But when they're not right, they kind of have a mini emotional breakdown. That's not strength. That's just being exposed. All right. So let's go to this clip. This situation is almost a rogue situation. I had thought there would be an understanding that you just can't spend and spend right through your free cash flow. Uh, that there had to be some level of discipline. And I didn't get it. What did I get wrong? I, I trusted them, not myself. For that I regret. I did believe that there would be some discipline. I emphasized to them, actually, that I, I expected discipline. But I want to go back again. I made a mistake. And I was wrong. I trusted this management team, and that was ill-advised. And I own that. So he apologizes, but he only apologizes by blaming Meta. Oh, I trusted them when I shouldn't have. Well, Kramer, the numbers were right in front of you. You just disregarded them at the time. And you did the same thing when you were telling everybody how great the economy was. And to me, I think Kramer runs by the rules that it's easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. And I think, you know, when you take a look at Kramer and his response, and oh, I apologize, this is going to be the same responses from the Democrats once they get crushed. Oh, I didn't know. It was somebody else, not my fault. But anyway, I guess my point is all these experts that you see on TV, they're self-anointed. They're pushed by corporate media. And they don't have your interest at heart. They have their own. And when they get caught, ah, they'll blame somebody else. I apologize, but I apologize because I listened to somebody else. It's their fault, not mine. And I listened to them. I'm sorry. But I really do. I expect more from a self-anointed expert when he's wrong. Just say I was wrong. No meltdown. No hugs. You were wrong. You know, we've really damaged our children during the pandemic with these lockdowns. You take a look at the test scores that have recently come out. They're much lower than they should be. So we've dumbed down our kids. They've got psychological problems by being locked up in their rooms for two years with no social interaction. And with that said, there's a third item. I'm going to switch you to a clip from NBC Nightly News, and it has to do with a virus called RSV. So let me play the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Let's turn to that big increase now in cases of RSV infections in children, with many hospitals saying they're in crisis mode now. Tom Costello has the warning signs for parents. 
Three-year-old Izzy Banky is today almost back to her old self, but she's been through a rough few weeks. Homesick, a two-hour wait in an urgent care clinic, a second urgent care visit, an ambulance ride to Children's National Med Center as she struggled to breathe. Then admitted with RSV-caused pneumonia. RSV is an ever-present respiratory virus, but especially serious in kids with low immunity after isolating during the pandemic. Now hospitals nationwide say they're overwhelmed with sick kids. Now, one of the key takeaways from this segment is the low immunity that children develop from isolating during the pandemic. Should that be a surprise? Our immune systems are built up as a result of interacting with people and warding off the viruses they have so we can develop our own immune system. And when you isolate children, they don't have a chance to work their immune system. They don't have a chance to interact with other people who are throwing off their own viruses that help develop immunity in these children. So now we've got kids walking around with a weakened immune system because of this pandemic. It's almost like, remember the movie? I think John Travolta was in. It was called The Bubble Boy. A long time ago. He lived in a bubble because he had no immune system. He couldn't interact with people. But this is what we've created by isolating our children. They have a weakened immune system because they have not interacted with other people and other children. And your immune system is just like a muscle. You have to work it. If you work it, it gets stronger. And they knew this. That's why there was a piece with Anthony Fauci where he said, ah, I had nothing to do with the lockdowns. Because he knows what's out there. He, he knows the damage that's been done. He's in denial. He's just lying about it. And the CDC, all of these health officials knew that this was going to happen to our kids. And the other thing that they're not telling you, too, is there is a good probability that there may be a chance that these vaccines have damaged the immune system of our children, which make them more susceptible to this RSV. And that should be looked into. But the damage that we've done to our children during this pandemic, it's criminal. And again, that's why when the Republicans take over, we have to have hearings on this. People have to be held accountable, particularly for the damage that we did to our kids. So we shall see. All right, let's go to our loser of the week. And our loser of the week for this week is... Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, as a result of her Meet the Press interview this past Sunday. And she gets that because she's let her hatred for Donald Trump overwhelm everything else. And with this said, let's just go to a clip and then we'll come back and discuss. That everybody has an obligation, uh, an obligation to defend the Constitution, an obligation to do what's right. But I think that there's no question that the, the, his election as president in 2016 uh, began something that's been very dangerous for this nation. And we now see he's willing to do everything he needs to do, uh, everything within his power to stop a peaceful transition of power, and he can never be president again. All right. You have said you're going to do whatever it takes to stop Donald Trump from getting back to that Oval Office. Define whatever it takes. Look, uh, there are very few certainties in politics. Um, but one thing that you can absolutely count on is that uh, there are tens of millions of Americans who will do uh, everything we need to do to make sure Donald Trump is never the president again. You know, how ironic is this interview? In the beginning of the interview, she says, oh, 
We have an obligation to uphold and defend the Constitution. And then within the same interview, she wants to take away Donald Trump's constitutional rights to meet her political objectives. This whole J6 hearing flies in the face of the Constitution. Donald Trump has no rights here. He can't publicly defend himself. This is not a court case. This is a star chamber. Since when is a star chamber constitutional? Now, what you should have said, Liz, is everybody should defend the Constitution. But it ends with Donald Trump. And then she's asked by Chuck Todd, well, what do you mean by doing everything possible to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't run for president? To me, there's a veiled threat here. Exactly what is it? You got to fess up, Liz. You can't say that you want to uphold the Constitution while taking away Donald Trump's rights. And who are you to try to prevent Donald Trump from running? It's the American people that decide who's their president, not you, Liz Cheney. And what constitution says that Liz Cheney and some star chamber has the right to prevent anyone from running for president? You don't have that right. We, the people, have that right. So where are you defending the Constitution here, Liz Cheney? And let me just remind you that Liz Cheney got beat by 40 points in the Republican primary for her congressional district. So she's a has-been Republican already. Now, I just got a report here that Liz Cheney's PAC is spending a half a million dollars in ads against Carrie Lake and Secretary of State candidate Mark Fincham in Arizona. Now, isn't that nice? Endorsing Democrats. She's a good conservative Republican, but she's endorsing Democrats. And then she also came out and just uh, publicly endorsed Alyssa Slotkin in Michigan, a Democrat running for Congress, incumbent. Isn't that nice, Liz? You're such a good Republican. You're such a good conservative. But you're letting your hatred for Donald Trump help the Democrats. And for that reason, you get the loser of the week. Okay, let's go to a super condensed summary of the markets. Today, the Dow finished up 2.6% to 32,861.8. The S&P finished up 2.5% to 3901.06. And NASDAQ finished up 2.9% to 11,102.45. For the week, the Dow was up 5.7%. The S&P was up 3.9%. And NASDAQ was up 2.2%. 2.2%. This is the fourth straight winning week in the markets. And this market doesn't know what they're doing, quite frankly. Good news is bad. Bad news is good. So they had earnings come out. Earnings weren't good. And the market shrugged it off. And inflation figures came out. And inflation figures were in line with what the expectations were. Still high, though. And the market took that is good. What's what's the implication here? What are they saying here? What do they want? Again, I just think it's a bear market rally. Uh, year to date, the Dow is down 9.57%. The S&P is down 18.15%. And NASDAQ is down 29.04% for the year. And with that said, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week and I will talk to you on Saturday. So long.